0: Amen to that. I love the emotion in that in those verses. And that's the kind of emotion that I think we need when we're considering anything to do with God or our, our salvation, the wonders of life itself. So today on the theme I've been trying to present. What's the theme? Well, it's the words of Jesus and his apostles. Because that's the same thing. Um, The the apostles spoke because they had the mind of Christ. And that's 100% provable from Scripture itself. So, the words of Jesus That's the source. And the source of the words of Jesus is his Father. So these are sublime words, meaning from heaven. The idea and the question is, are we listening? Well, we've had a lot of of opportunity to listen, not just we, but those before us for nearly 2,000 years. I'm going to use this as a text today from John 21, but I'm going to have another passage before that. <clears throat> John 21, a familiar passage about listening to Jesus. But before I turn to that today, let me explain the, the directions. Uh, the direction I'm going. Here's my thought. I think we must, must, must read, understand, believe, and apply to our own lifetime and our own lives and those around us the words of Jesus and his apostles. You notice that starts with read. Or hear. But even though you hear, I think you need to read too. You might hear me read, you might hear me say, but you need to read it for yourself too. That's how you confirm it. But we need to do it, I think, in a proper order. Starting with what Jesus said to the people of his day. But from that time, you know, we have the narrative of Jesus speaking to the Jews nearly 2,000 years ago. But He spoke about the people, the Jews of time before. He spoke about the patriarchs. He spoke about Noah. He spoke about all men... From the beginning of time, and even into the future, but he did—he had a lot to say, though, about the present day that he was in, because of the idea that an age was about to come to a conclusion—the Jewish age. He spoke about men's relationships to God, the Creator the Father. And, because He spoke in that way, He could easily bring you into your relationship with Him. Because why? (laughs) Because He was sent from the Father. He was Jesus of Nazareth, born of Mary, the Son of Man, the Son of God. The, the promised Messiah of Genesis chapter 3 he is the one that will crush the head of the deceiver and that's just what he did within uh, his ministry his lifetime and what he did on the cross of course so the goal my friends and brethren today is for, not for me personally, of course, because uh, I think this is a personal thing, and for anyone else that's hearing the words that I'm speaking about this sort of thing, we need to be able to recall the words of Christ. Now, I could tell you a story about, uh, normally evangelistic type work I did I was the one that was speaking but if you go like I did a number of other times uh, after I had been the lead go along as the second person I want to tell you it was astounding to me how as the conversation between the person speaking the person uh, trying to uh, teach to the person that was there and as they were talking the scriptures that, that they were saying and re- inferring and re- and uh, talking about would come to my mind immediately and you know I, I don't memorize the Bible so the first time that happened I thought this is incredible they'd be talking and someone would say something and someone would say, well, is that in the Bible? And I'd have it like that. And I'd read it. I just read it and I shut up. And they went on with their discussion. That's the recall that God has granted us, any of us. But you know what you have to do first? You have to read it. You have to study it. You have to... um, become to the understanding put it in the context you know the big picture the thing is you need to be able to think about god created heaven and earth and from there you can put a, lay a narrative out that takes you right up to your doorstep that's what you should should be able to do and be it'd be very nice if you could but it takes a while Because everything that we hear from others, we hear other people talking about the Bible, we hear other uh, preaching or teaching or, or even comments about uh, the Bible or about God or about Jesus, we need to be able to immediately qualify what we have just heard with what we know is in here. And when you can do that, number one, no one's ever going to lead you down a little path somewhere off into no-no land. It's not going to happen to you. because you know. You can say, oh, wait a minute, I, I don't, that's not really true. That's not in the scriptures. I'm sorry. I don't believe that. And I'll show you why. So, I'm confident that this is a solution to the, the vast, the big problems that we have living this life. Is that we don't have a good filter. We don't have a good basis for us making the decisions and listening and believing what we hear. It's, it's a personal thing. You know, I, I wish that, that it was maybe otherwise Somehow these things we just know. But that's not what God did. That's not what He has put in place. From the very beginning, why would God tell Moses, who wrote the very first word in our Bible, the first word in, little preposition, why did God tell Moses, write this down? Because it needed to be recorded because we need to read it we need to hear it we need to have it that's how God has put it together for us could he zap us so we understood every single thing in the Bible of course he could but he wants you to care enough to do it on your own now let me illustrate this concept with a passage from Matthew 16 now we don't have any Fancy uh, things up here today to follow along on the screen. So it's just going to be Bible and you. <clears throat> Matthew 16, verse 27 and 28. Jesus, after a long uh, talking uh, to the to the disciples or the apostles as they're known, he foretells his his death and Peter doesn't like it but it goes on and on they're talking and he talks about discipleship but in verse 27 and 28 <coughs> excuse me Jesus says this He's talking about something that's going to happen For the Son of man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. Truly, I say to you that there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I'm, my thing is, we need to listen to Jesus. They needed to hear what he said and hear everything he said and what it meant to them. What do you think they got out of that? Why isn't that a scripture that people can, that's profound today? That people will say, well, you remember what Jesus said. But believe me, this is not the case for this passage. There's two points of grammar that uh, my uh, translation doesn't even attempt to. Uh, to deal with but in fact there, there's two things here on the first part of the verses 27 and it's the son of man is about to come that's what we need to understand now, you see that in your version see I don't see that because all I see is the word son of man is going to come you see when we hear someone's going to come and that's all they say we don't know when it's going to be is it, is it tomorrow? The end of the week? A month? We don't know. When they leave, we don't know. But when, when someone says to you, as Jesus did here, the Son of Man is about to come. What do you think they thought that meant? And then he qualifies it with his next statement as he finishes off the Verse. There are some standing here that is standing right in front of him listening to his words. They, um, there are some standing here that will not and in the Greek it's not, not. It's the two double negatives, two different words that mean absolutely, positively, will not under any circumstances taste Death. Until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Does that give you any idea about when the kingdom of Christ came? Had to be within a lifetime of some of these men standing there, didn't it? <laughs> now, friends, this was written nearly 2,000 years ago. It's poorly translated in our Bibles. I'd like to tell you that it was done on purpose to deceive you, but it wasn't. Uh, it's that people with their backgrounds and their thinking pattern, if they would have translated it, and it is properly translated in some, in some Bibles, I believe Young's Literal Translation, which is a good Bible to own, by the way. Young's Literal Translation. It's known as YLT. Um, he has it right. Why? Because he simply took the Greek words and put the English words there without any doctrinal angles or denominational thinking. So we need to be aware of that. Should we not start to believe what Jesus said 2,000 years ago? You know, I read that passage a hundred times probably before I ever really understood what he was saying. Just went right over my. Just why? Because I didn't. I didn't understand what he was saying at that time. So let's break down the, this passage a little, little closer. And this is how you interpret anything, not only the Bible but other literature too. Who's speaking? Jesus of Nazareth. Right. There's only one speaker here. There isn't any interloper that came in and said something here that was erroneous. When did it happen? Well, for my dating A.D. 31. It wasn't that far away from the cru- time of the crucifixion. So it was in the end parts of his ministry. Where were they at? In Galilee. Is All you got to do is read the scriptures around it. You find out where he was and when it, ha- when it was going on. What's the context? This whole context here, in this whole chapter even, is Peter's confession. That he's the Messiah. Jesus saying that he was going to die in Jerusalem. The the cost of discipleship. About the big change that was coming. The end of the age. The consummation of the age. That the Jews were waiting for and understood. Under the law. And and, and, uh, uh, there was a new age coming. That the law and the regulations of the law would be put aside and the promise of God to bring redemption to the men and women of that first covenant, and those faithful before that would come into fruition, they would have a home in heaven, and God would be with them, because they would be his children, and they had been. They would be purchased by the blood of Christ. You see, Christ hadn't died yet when he said this. The blood was not applied to the sins yet. The the culmination of the age had not had not been accomplished on this day, but it would be soon because of that phrase about to. It's a little Greek word that is omitted in in, in the New Testament, especially mello m e l l o, and then there's other some. Uh, uh, some words before or after it sometimes if it's in a different context. But it always means about to. About to. It gives us an idea of, of the time element. So, I've read these verses. Other people have read these verses. And I, I say that there's two choices. that we, uh, Two conclusions we can come to on these verses. But you know there's probably three. And the third one I've been guilty of. Reading it, Not really getting the drift and just going on from there. Okay? Uh, But there's there's two other conclusions that some people come to immediately. And these two need to be understood. The first conclusion is, the kingdom has come. Because he was talking about the lifetime of somebody standing in front of him. And I know that I'm a lot older than those folks, many, many, many generations. So the kingdom has come, but let's let's face it, we never speak about that. The second conclusion or thought that we have to uh, that some people deal with is this: Jesus got it wrong. It hasn't happened yet. So, but the kingdom of Christ has not come yet. Well, that would be the conclusion. If, if, if it isn't what he said here, either that or, or these men are awfully old somewhere. See, the passage we're going to read in just a minute is going to deal with uh, a sub, that subject. You must decide. It does make a difference in how you understand Christianity, though. It makes a difference in how you look at Scripture what are you going to do with what Jesus said here? There's a lot of responsibility in reading the scriptures. If you say this is God's word, if it's sublime, if it came from heaven, and I believe that it did, every word of it, then we need to be able to deal with those verses without having any real problems. Now, the kingdom has come. But what does that mean? How does that affect us? Well, it affects us because that means that we're living in the kingdom time. We're not living under the, the law of Moses. Even though there are some churches that still teach the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses and the regulations and dietary restrictions and on and on and on it goes, every mix of it, stirred up into a big pot. And it comes out in that special dish, confusion. And after you've had a few helpings of that, you you don't you know anything for sure. That's what that's what we do with the scriptures, because we're afraid to take it as it says. So, let's look at the passage that I I'm talking about in John twenty-one. <clears throat> this is a passage that has the phrase, till I come. Jesus says, till I come, or until I come, probably in your Bible. Gospel of John, chapter 21, right near the end of the of John's Gospel. John 21, verse 18. Now, just before this is a real famous passage about Jesus talking to Peter about do you love me and he asks him three times and again our translations don't give us the proper word for love so we don't really know what he's talking about but in verse 18 after all of this has been said and Jesus is standing there talking to to Peter this happens Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus talking to Peter, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. See, that was a prophecy, wasn't it? Of Peter's life when he was going to be an old man. Now this he said, according to the writer of the gospel, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God, that Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. That's what Jesus said to Peter. He'd said it now three other times before. But he was trying to make a point to Peter. You follow me. Don't let anything come between you... Myself and you. See, that's what happens in religion. Too many things get between us and the truth. We let too many people get in here. We have hierarchy here and there. And, and we're supposed to listen to all of them. When is all we have to do is listen to Jesus? Follow me, he said. Then Peter Peter as they are standing or or turning or walking Peter turned around and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And one who had also the the one, the same one who had also leaned back on his breast at the, the supper that is the last supper as we call it and said Lord, who is it? Who is the one who will betray you? Remember when John leaned back on Jesus and asked Jesus who is going to betray you. Well, the reason he did that is because Peter had asked him to ask the master who it is. And Jesus said, "It is the one that I will give the morsel that I dip into the bowl." And he dipped in the bowl and he gave it to who? Judas. It's scary. But do you realize that none of them even then understood what it meant? Not then. They did later. You see, listening to Jesus is quite a job. It's a real task. You need to hang on every word. And by the way, none of his words are verbose. There isn't one word of small talk of Jesus in this Bible. That's how powerful it is. Peter therefore seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? He pointing back to John. And Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. See, that was a rebuke. And now we read on. This saying therefore went out amongst the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? You see the, you see the issue we have here? You see recorded in the Bible here we have a thought that people were thinking that they were repeating a story but they were, they were not telling they were not explaining what it really meant it was error and he qualifies all these words in this gospel by saying this is the disciple who bears witness of these things and wrote these things and we know that his witness is true who's we? the apostles know they were there They heard these things. of course, the Lord was there. So Jesus said, if I want him to remain till I come, is that a possibility? (laughs) John makes it clear, it's not that he won't die, it's just that Jesus only said, what if I want him to remain until I come? You see the issue we have here? This is, this is the horns of dilemma right here for a lot of folks. You know there's people that believe that John the Apostle is alive today? I even saw a location one time in print somewhere in Paris. I don't think he'd go there, but yeah, it's just me. No, that's, that's, that's how this is. That's how this sorts out. Because the last thing they'll ever believe is that that returning that Jesus did has already happened. Why? Because nobody believes it. That is no one except those that read the Bible and read the words and understand the simple language that it's in. So what's the time frame? The time frame of Jesus returning is the lifetime of the Apostle John, right? Is that the normal conclusion, a logical look at this? Yes. And when is that? Well, there's all sorts of dates of John's demise. And I've read all the things written through the years. A.D. 66, A.D. 68, you know, when Nero died... And then uh, some say they kill all the political prisoners. Well, that's when Nero died. John was on the Isle of Patmos at that time. Is that when he died? But there's there's those that say that no, he lived past that. A.D. 70, that was the end of the the covenant. Came to a conclusion when those that, that were Jews saw Jesus. The age completion of the age AD 70 but if you read uh, most scholarly work you'll find that John lived uh, till AD 96 so I guess we take our pick right except that I I happen to know that 96 is just flat wrong because of other things Uh, and there's others that say well it was 69 not 96 it's just got the numbers turned over that happens a lot in translations so, you see, it's not the year that it happened. What it is, is that it happened while John was still alive. You see, that's what's important here. Why do I say that? Because I read the other verse. I read I read Matthew 16. And so many others just like it. Briefly, I want to finish this. Just a few minutes. Brings us to the... The time of the end. And I'll just read a passage in Daniel and we can move through this. What I'm trying to illustrate is the words. The the words of the Bible. Time of the end. Daniel. Chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. We have a long study recorded on TalkShoe that I did uh, a while back uh, on this and not very far back uh, on Daniel. You see, the book of Daniel shows us and confirms all the things that are happening during the life of Christ. These last days. Time of the end. Now, you notice I didn't say the end of time. Because the end that Jesus talks about is the end of the Jewish age. Not the end of the so-called world. Daniel 7, verse 9. And out of... This is all within the vision that he has seen in 555 B.C. And out of one of them came forth a small, a rather small horn, which grew exceedingly towards the south, towards the east, and towards the beautiful land, which is Israel. And it grew up into the host of heaven and caused some of the hosts and some of the stars to fall to earth. Uh, That's people, by the way. And it trampled them down. It uh, it even magnified itself to be equal with the commander of the host. And it removed the regular sacrifice from him. And the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. And on account of of the transgression, the host will be given over to the horn. Along with the regular sacrifice. And it will fling truth To the ground and perform its will and prosper. And I heard a holy one speaking, that is a heavenly being, and another holy one said to that particular one who was speaking, How long will the vision about the regular sacrifice apply? All right. And we're going to move now to chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 9. And I kept looking, and and of course this happens before. And I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like snow, the white snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablazing with fire. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of, of fire was flowing and coming out from before him, Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until this beast, until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. That represents the conquering of Jerusalem. to the Romans at that time. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. Now this is an important verse. Verse 13, I kept looking at the in, in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days which is God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him, that is, the Son of Man, was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the people, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Now that's if you wanted to match that to something in the New Testament, you'd read uh, Revelation chapter 20, actually 19 and 20, even 21. See, there's only one kingdom without end, and that's the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of Christ in God. They live in their kingdom with the saints. When was it established? Well, it was established... Uh, you could say that it began at the birth of the Messiah. You could say it was established in Matthew 28, 18. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 because of what Jesus says. Again, I, I really think we need to listen to what Jesus says. It makes a lot of difference. 28, 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them. This is after the... Resurrection, just as before, he was going to ascend into heaven, and he said to them, that is the the apostles, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Does that sound like something we just read in Daniel? What we read in Revelation? You see, Daniel's a prophecy of what would happen within the Jewish realm, the Jewish age. Daniel's prophecy is all about the Jewish people. Yeah, he talks about the Gentile kings and kingdoms during that time period, but the thread that goes through it is Judaism all the way through. From his his, uh, capture and exile to Babylon in 609 B.C. to 70 A.D. That's the time frame of Daniel. That's what he wrote about. We can also read about it in Mark 13. But the idea is, where are we now? Because of what Jesus said. These are things to consider. Don't just step off the step and say, oh, he's got it all figured out. And uh, No, no, don't do that. You do that by reading the words of Jesus. Read the Bible. And I believe you'll come to the same conclusion that the Bible has within it. So where are we now in 2019 where we live or we reside and remember my preaching on the unshakable kingdom? That's the one. The one that has no end. The one that will will never be inherited by another. The body of Christ. The new Jerusalem. We call the body of Christ. We can call it the church, can't we? We do. The assembly, the ecclesia, the called out ones if we want to use all the, the Greek words. You see, my idea here is that we better listen to the words of the Master. We better listen to those words. We need to read them. We need to understand them. If we don't understand them, we need to find a way to understand them. Also, that would also be for the apostles' writings, doctrinally and otherwise and we need to listen and learn what God has put into motion then we're going to come to the conclusion of where we're at right now in line with what the Bible has been talking about and you know something if you know where you're at if you know where you stand if you know how these things are working out then you can help somebody else do the same because if you don't know where you're at like if someone comes up to you and says how do I get here and there and you don't know what are you going to tell them? well I think it's over here you point in a general direction that's what religion has brought to man they're pointing in a general direction I think this is what God wants why why think of it? why make a decision like that without looking at the word closely we should all be involved in studying the Bible together all the time all of our, our, our spare time that we can if we don't we should and that should be our goal um, because from it we're going to be a real blessing to somebody else I hope that's, I hope that resonates today that's what I have to say